Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Good morning, everyone. My name is Richard. I'm part of the team here at Trinity. Um, it's a real privilege to be with you this morning, uh, particularly this um, this topic, because as you know, if you've been here for the last few weeks, we've been looking at our missional priorities as a church. So basically the things that we believe are really important to us, um, particularly in the context of our vision, which is to see the glory of God known in London and the nations. And I'm really glad that Charles picked up on prayer being the engine room of this church, because for us it really is. And in fact, we meet every Tuesday to pray. We pray for you individually. We pray for you by name. We pray for us as a church. And one of the things that we've been praying for recently are what we're referring to as pillars, okay? People who are willing to stand with us and support us with the weight of, of these missions, these missional priorities that we have, that we believe God has called us into, um, and people who we can build community around. But while we pray in faith for pillars, we're also not naive to what we're asking for, because committing to any church can be tough, namely because there are people in it, particularly Matt. Um, it can be really tough to commit to a church, but particularly in the context of a central London church, I think it can be even harder. And for one very simple reason, London churches or city churches by their nature are very transient, right? People come and people go very, very quickly. And so the, the kind of core people that make up the church often change and, and ebb and flow. Now, you might be here, for example, for a very specific reason. You might be here because you're studying. Hands up. Who's studying? Love students. Hey, students. Welcome. Um, who, has, who has come because their job has brought them to the city of London? Right. Okay. So we come for a specific reason. But just as we come, we're just as likely to go. Rarely do people settle in for the long haul. Nonetheless, we are praying for pillars. Now, before we get into Jeremiah, there are two things I want to very quickly call out. Number one, this is not intended to be some kind of pep talk. Okay, what I'm not trying to do is get you excited in the moment and like, yes, that's it, I'm going to commit to Trinity Church London, I'm going to commit to the work that God is doing in the city of London. That's not what this is designed to be. And neither is it intended to be a guilt trip. If you know that, you know, in six months' time your visa is coming to an end and you're going, then that's a good thing, right? That's something to celebrate. We're not, this is not meant to be a guilt trip at all. So please just bear that in mind as we unpack what God has for us this morning in terms of working for the good of London. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay, good stuff. So we're looking at the letter of Jeremiah or the, the, the letter within the book of Jeremiah um, that is the word of God given to Jeremiah to the people, to the exiles from Jerusalem. So just to set the context for this, this is about 900 years after Moses is given the covenant from God on Mount Sinai and about 600 years before Christ comes. And we're sort of joining the story at a time when the people of Israel have really started to walk away from God. They've really started to turn a blind eye to his commandments and they're really living in sin. In fact, they've started to worship idols. They've started to embrace some of the local gods. And time and time again, God has given Jeremiah a warning for his people and said, you need to turn away from idolatry. You need to turn away from sin because my judgment must be satisfied. And despite saving them from certain destruction several times, in the end he sends a final warning and says, an army from the north will come and destroy you should you not turn away from idolatry. And guess what? The people ignore Jeremiah. Uh, 
King Nebuchadnezzar comes, he, he basically um, destroys Jerusalem, Judah, all of Judah is, is subjugated under him, and many of the people from Jerusalem are taken back to Babylon. Okay, so that's the context of this letter, and this letter is specifically sent to the survivors, the elders of the ex- uh, surviving elders of the exile, and to the priests, the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem to Babylon. So just bear that in mind, okay, that the conquering city has just destroyed your home, that is where these people are being taken to. One of the reasons I love our vision to see the glory of God known across London and the nations is that I can have an impact on the nations right here in London. And I love London. I mean, I literally love it. It's, I'm, I'm quite obsessed with it. And in many ways, there is a yin and a yang to, to kind of London. It's, it's a positive and a negative. It's a land of opportunity. And at the same time, it's kind of like this corrupt, dirty city center of, of filth, right? So on the one hand, you're, it's the beating heart of, of political power. But if you've got the wrong political opinion, you're ostracized, you're cast out, right? It's, it's the lifeblood of the economy, but it's the same place where your colleagues will just as quickly hi, um, stab you in the back um, to get one up on over you, right? To, 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 to try and get that job. And I think for, for me to understand what it can be like, actually, let me just ask a quick question. Who, who wasn't born in London? Who has moved to London? Right, so the majority of people here. The majority of people. Okay, so I was born in London. So for me, this is quite hard to sometimes resonate, resonate with. But the only thing I can imagine it to is when I go and see my cousin up in Yorkshire. He lives in a place called Selby. And often he'll be, you know, he'll just stop and chat to people on the street. He'll chat to the barman. Um, and he'll just be like, hi, how's things going? And I always assume that they're old friends, that they know each other. And he's like, no, never met him before in my life. And I'm like, how is this possible? Because in London, everyone's like heads down, marching along, like, don't speak to me, don't speak to me. No evil looks kind of, it's, it's not a, it's quite an abrasive place, right? So I can only imagine what it's like for many of you who have come and, and perhaps experienced something else in, in your home nations to then come here into a cold city like London. And I think the first thing that Jeremiah says in the letter that God says to his people kind of really aptly sums this up, that feeling. And that is to all the exiles. And I think sometimes living in a city like London can feel a little bit like an exile. It's, it's hard to think of somewhere as home unless you were born there, unless you grew up there, unless it's familiar to you. But God is kind of saying to his people throughout this letter, settle in, get comfortable, because this, this place that is responsible for the destruction of your hometown, your home city of Jerusalem, this is now your new home. And what does he follow that up with, right? Verse four, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile, right? So imagine this, Babylon, great northern army, comes and destroys and sacks their city. They're dragged back to Babylon from Jerusalem where they do not want to be. This is not plan A, this is not plan B, this is not plan C. They do not want to be there. And yet God is saying, I did that. I did that. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. It was God's plan. Who thought that coming to London was a good career move? Anyone? Right, who thought that coming to London was a great place to get a degree or get a master's or... Right, I can, I can understand why. Have you ever stopped to think, maybe God wanted you here in this time at this very moment? Let me just read you something from Acts. Acts 17 verse 26. 
And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. In other words, you are not here just because you're doing a degree. You are not here just because you thought it was a smart career move. God works in two ways, supernaturally. In fact, we can sometimes get our heads around that. That feels, you know, when God does something miraculous, it's like, yeah, it's amazing, it's great. But he also works through providence. And I think sometimes we underestimate what God is doing in our lives, that he has called us somewhere for a purpose. You are here because God wants you here. Who believes that? You are here in this very moment because God wants you here. Now, the reason I think it's really important for us to get our heads around this is very simple. Most people come to London to extract something, to take something, right? You come to get financial wealth. You come to get that career progression. You come to get that degree. You come to get all these different things. And they're in themselves is not a bad thing. But think about this. When lockdown happened, a million people left London. Why? Because they can no longer get what they came for. They came for a purpose, to extract something. And in Jeremiah, God is calling his people to give something, to give something, to lay foundations. Now, in the, uh, in the, just after this letter is written, we're told that uh, the, the Israelites are going to be in Babylon for 70 years. They have a, a fixed period of time, 70 years. But however long or short your stay in London it is biblical to understand and get comfortable with the fact that God has you here for a purpose. Okay, for the allotted time that you are here, this is your new home. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the letter. I'm just going to call out four ways that I think God can call us in the context of being called to a city. This is so out for you guys right now. It's great. Welcome back, by the way. It's really good to see you. Um, so four, four ways that I believe God can kind of call us and uh, four types of pillars, if you will, that we're praying for. The first one is a physical home. Verse five, build houses and live in them. Okay, one of the greatest challenges of a central London church is quite simply the practicality of physical presence, right? The practicality of physical presence. And that's because this costs money, right? This building costs money to rent. You know, we've been praying for a midweek space for a reason. It's very hard to actually find lots of people who live in central London, and yet we are a central London church. But think about the, the heartbeat of church life, because it's not a Sunday morning, right? It's community groups, it's socials, it's um, telos groups, it is outreach. All of these things need a physical location for them to be truly effective. In fact, I mentioned the midweek space. It's probably worth noting, you know, we've been praying for a midweek space for some time. But imagine if we had a dozen midweek spaces because actually we collectively between us had our own spaces where we lived. Okay, how amazing would that be? Now I know what you're thinking. London is probably one of the most expensive places you could choose to buy, right? It feels impossible. And I do know that there are some of you who are even feeling God's prompting uh, not necessarily right now, but as in people I've spoken to who feel like God is saying, I want you to be in the city. I want you to live centrally. But you're also recognising just how much of a monumental task that is. Right? The cost of living, the cost of a mortgage at the moment is insanely expensive. But I believe God has got a very clear and simple message for you this morning. If you commit to the what and consumed by the why, God will figure out the how. 
Okay, if you commit to the what or are consumed by the why, God will figure out the how. You have to believe that he can do it. If it's his plan, he will find you a means of getting a place here. So that's the first one, a physical call to build homes or buy homes and live in them. The second one is a financial call. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Plant gardens and eat their pro- produce. Now, this could suggest actually quite a few things. Obviously, it's, it's a, there's a clear link to the fact that work in itself matters. You know, it's an opportunity to evangelize, as we've heard before, an opportunity to live a different life, to, to express a different um, culture than the, the typical one that we experience in our work lives. Uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, I think, as Daniel said last week, to say what we got up to on a Sunday. These are great things. But actually, I think what this is alluding to and what I'd like to call out is the second thing, which... I believe, is, 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 is kingdom patronage. Now, I first heard the term kingdom patrons actually on a podcast a few weeks ago, and it leapt out to me because I love, I love the word patron, and I love it for this very simple reason. I looked it up to see what it meant, and it says this. This is Webster's Dictionary on Google. A person chosen, named, or honoured as a special guardian, protector, or supporter. Right. If you work in London and you have a well-paying job, if you contribute to the work that God is doing here, you are a kingdom patron. And yet we can sometimes underestimate the significance of this, but it is a person chosen, named or honoured as a special guardian, protector or supporter. I don't think we should underestimate the significance of what you're doing. If God has given you the ability to earn and earn well, then you could be a kingdom patron. In fact, it's probably worth noting, you know, we talked to Charles talked to, uh, Nikki talked a lot about regions beyond this morning. We are here because of the patronage of many who came before us. Even before we were a church, even before we existed, God was calling people to be kingdom patrons to, in fact, if I'm honest, we're still living off the generosity of those patrons, right? Because we make less money than we uh, get every month, which means we're still living off the generosity um, that we received four or five years ago from Regions Beyond as a movement. Okay, we can be a, a kingdom patron. Actually, has anyone seen the news recently about the owner of Patagonia? Right, it's, it's quite a, an amazing story. If you don't know the story, it's very simple. Patagonia is a fashion brand. I say fashion brand, I don't know if it's fashion or not. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's a fashion brand. It's a clothing label. Um, and the guy that owns it has basically just given it away. And he's, and he's giving it away for the protection of Patagonia as a region. He's giving it back to, to basically look after the planet. Um, and that's part of their whole branding. It's kind of what they represent. Now imagine if churches did the same thing. Imagine if we stood up and said, no, we're going to be kingdom patrons. Imagine the difference that we could make. Number three, and I actually think this is the hardest one, particularly in the context of a city church, particularly in the context of London, And that is a relational call. Verse 6, take wives and have sons and daughters. You know, I was listening to a podcast recently um, with Brené Brown, Simon Sinek and Adam Grant. Really interesting one. It's about uh, work life at the moment. And one of the things that Simon Sinek said, and I really agree with this, it sort of intuitively just feels right. And that's that I don't think people are actually okay at the moment. You know, I think we've kind of been through lockdown we've been through this kind of really weird phase in our lives where we were kind of isolated we were kind of you know on our own quite a bit and suddenly we're expected to come out and not necessarily go back to the way things were but certainly go back to you know interacting with people being in community again 
And I think actually a lot of people are struggling. I, I have to admit, I'm struggling. One of the things I was chatting to Claire about earlier this morning is that, you know, I love, I love, I'm a people person. I love spending time with people. I love just being with you guys. I love being here on a Sunday. But by the time I get home, I am exhausted, right? Does anyone else have that? That social interactions for some reason now exhaust you beyond belief. And I don't know why I suddenly get so tired. And it's not that I don't want them. I do want them. But they just, they drain me in a way that they never used to drain me before. And I also know people who are actually, they almost found themselves in lockdown. They, they kind of found a new leash of life, but almost ashamed to admit it because other people are struggling. And so we're kind of really in this strange place. But I think particularly in the context of the city, one of the reasons that relationships can be so hard is simply because they're transient, right? Let's just think of a few names, Tom and Tish, Nam, Abdullah, Johnny. I mean, there'll be plenty more people who we love, who we invested in emotionally, who have come and who have gone because God has called them onto other things. And that is amazing. We should celebrate that fact. You know, we should be willing to give away our best. But it also makes it really hard for us individually. Because if we're to invest in relationships, which is what they require, then in a way we need to recognize that there is a danger that those people might be called somewhere else. That's the nature of being a part of a church, as Charles said. Some of you here will, might be called to go and help a church plant somewhere else. But what we can't do is cut ourselves off. Now, a lot of people uh, talked about loneliness um, in lockdown. The opposite of loneliness isn't togetherness. This is not, the, you know, this is not getting over loneliness. The opposite of loneliness is vulnerability, right? It's letting your heart, pouring your heart open to the person you're speaking to. And what I want to ask you is this simple question. Who has God put in front of you in the last few months who you could relationally invest in? Who has God put into your life recently who you could relationally invest in? It could be in the church or it could be at work. It could be a neighbor. It could be someone. But I believe that God calls us in the context of working for the good of the city to invest relationally in people. Now, unfortunately, the one thing that is true about relationships, they're, they're not an event, right? They're not this one-time thing that happens and then we get to kind of like go off and do our own thing, right? Relationships are kind of like working out. You spend hours grueling, you know, getting on the treadmill, doing the weights, getting into physical shape. And then as I found out recently, the moment you stop, it fizzles away. You know, it's when you find out that actually, if you want to keep it up, you have to invest every day for the rest of your life. Otherwise, you're going to get fat again. It's like literally like it's so frustrating. But that, that's relationships, right? So who is God, who has God put in, into your life who you can commit to relationally? Now, the fourth, I'm going to jump to, to verse seven and then come back to verse six. But the fourth is a spiritual call. Now, it's very possible that you sat here and you've listened to the first three kind of ways in which I believe God can call us to serve the city. And you're kind of like, yeah, that's great. But realistically, I, I can't afford to buy a place. I can't really even afford to rent a place in central London. Um, you know, I, I am only here for a fixed period of time. I've got a visa and then I've got to go back home. Like, that is not a problem at all. This, these, are, these are good things. As I said before, God has an allotted time and place for your life. So it's all part of his plan. But there is one thing that all of us can do regardless of our situation, regardless of how long we believe God has us here for. But seek the welfare of the city where I sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. 
we are in a spiritual battle. When we think about the good of the city, what we're really talking about is the people who live in it. We are praying for the lives and eternal salvation of people who are currently dead. Okay, this is a spiritual battle. We're told in the Bible that we don't fight you know, against flesh and bones, right? We, we, we fight against principalities and powers. And God is calling his people to pray. Now, think again. This is the city, Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, who is responsible for the destruction of their home, for the death of their friends. And God is calling them to what? Pray for them. Pray for the people. If you find London quite a, a difficult place to live, can I, can I say that this one is for you? Okay, if you find London a lonely place, if you find it abrasive, if you find it cold, this one is for you. Charles said something, to, I think it was Charles, he said something to me once, very wise, wise um, advice. He said, if you find someone really challenging, pray for them. Because when you pray for someone that you find difficult, something in your heart starts to change. I don't know how, I don't know what, but the Holy Spirit works in you. And all those things where you kind of go, you again, suddenly become, you're broken. You're like me, you're just broken. And, and that, that kind of frustration turns to pity and empathy. And it turns to love. So if you're struggling with London, if, if London is just a hard place for you to live, pray for the city, pray for the welfare. And I think that is what it means when it says, in its welfare, you will find your welfare. I agree. <laughs> so can I ask you, as I said, this is not meant to be a rallying cry, this is not meant to be a pep talk, and it's not meant to be a guilt trip. But what I do ask is, if you can't do any of the first three things, then pray for London. And as you wrestle for the eternal salvation, that is, that is what we're, that's what's up for grabs, the eternal salvation of people's lives, you will come to love them. Now, I think it's really important to recognise, and in fact, if, if you're here for the first time, perhaps you're looking in, perhaps you don't know Jesus as your personal saviour, you might be kind of thinking, well, hang on a, a minute, this, this guy standing up here and he's kind of saying, yeah, like, come and move to the city, come and, you know, buy a home just to have a physical presence, you know, give your money away and, um, you know, invest relationally in people who might just get up and walk away. Why is he doing this? Well, I'm only doing this because there is one who came before us who's done a lot more. Right? There, is, there is one who wept for the city. Wept. There is one who wept blood for the city. There was one who was accepted into the city on, 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 a, on a donkey with palm leaves and celebrated and, and just as quickly taken out of the city with a cross on his back, his skin whipped, tattered to shreds, bruised, <coughs> carrying the weight of the sin, the filth of the city. The only reason we can even be here is because of the sacrifice of one who came before us. And we don't deserve that sacrifice. There's nothing we can do to earn that sacrifice. But Christ paid the price for us anyway. And that is why we can stand here and pray for the lives of the people in the city. Because God, in his love and in his grace, chose to send his son that we might have eternal relationship with him. And because of that, we can pray for those who don't yet know him, who aren't yet knowing that peace that surpasses understanding, that, that fullness of life that God has to offer us.
There's um, let's actually let's get the band. Should we get the band up? Let's get the band up. Come on, Helen. There's a as I was trying to think through how to kind of end this. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways that we we could end this. We could kind of call for a response. I'm not actually going to do that um, because I think what this is an invitation to reflect. And I think we should use this last song as an opportunity to reflect. Perhaps if God has prompted you in the past or you feel like he's prompting you now, but you're just not sure how is it physically possible for me to you know, buy somewhere, to, for me to, to rent somewhere and, and to serve the city in that way. Perhaps you, you, you're feeling like you want to invest relationally in someone, that you know God has put someone in your life, but you're like, but I just find that individual quite difficult. Like, how, how do I do that? then this is just an opportunity just to speak to God, just to pray to him as we worship and just ask him for his help. Because if it's his plan, it will happen. <laughs> okay, if it's his plan, it will happen. I want to very quickly finish on, on verse six. Um, and I think this, this one really spoke to me, actually. Um, Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. I think as Christians, we can be very good at getting carried away with the future about God's plans for our futures. And we sometimes forget that actually God is calling us to be here in this moment, in this city today. We are here for a purpose. We might be going somewhere else in six months time, but that doesn't make this less important. This is part of God's plan for your life. He has purposed for you to be here. And I think what really is at the heart of this letter, that God is saying to his people, that God is saying to his people who he has sent into exile, into the conquering city of Babylon, he's saying simply this, go all in. Forget the fact you're here for 70 years. Think multi-generationally. However long you're here for, go all in. Charles said people are praying for revival right now. Well, revival starts in the church. Okay, I think particularly in the Western Evangelical Church, we're very good at acknowledging Christ as our saviour. But if people were to look in on our lives, would they also recognise Christ as our Lord? Do the big decisions that we make in our life centre around glorifying God and seeing his glory known in London and the nations or around what we think is best for our lives? I think I'm just going to end with a prayer because I think that's probably the best thing to do. Can I just ask if you've, if, if you kind of feel like God is prompting you in this moment, whatever it is, I'm not asking for hands raised, I'm not asking for anything like that. Just, just respond. As we sing this song, just respond to him. I'm going to pray and then we can sing, sing this song. Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for your purposes and your plans for our lives. Lord, thank you that we are here because of the finished work that Christ has already done. That we can stand before you knowing that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives because, we are, because we're hidden in Christ, because we are 
no longer dead in our trespasses, but we are set free by the blood of the Lamb. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that our lives be a living sacrifice to you. Lord God, we want to be here for the good of London. We want to be here for the good of the city. It's, it's one of our missional priorities, but God, it's, it's also what you've called us to do as people. It's what Christ did. So, Lord, we just pray that if there are doubts, if we are lacking faith, Lord, we ask that you impart that faith to us now. Lord Jesus, we just respond in this moment and we just say we, we give all the glory to you. We want our lives to be centred around you. Please, Lord Jesus.